What's really funny is that whenever things like that start to show up on the screen, some of you go, oh, Randy's about to get up there. I know, I know that. I know that. Um, and no, that's not a public service announcement for the Sooner Than You Think seminar on Wednesday, although it could be. Um, it actually ties into the message this morning. And um, some of you already have tuned me out uh, because you look at that title and you go, that's sacrilege. Right. I mean, that's so just uh, hang with me for a few minutes here. All right. Uh, change. Um, let's see. Anybody ever moved from one house to another before? You know what I'm talking about? Yes. We've all done it. Right. <clears throat> you say, of course. And uh, so we did that this year and we moved into uh, this this home. And um, uh, and, and here's the challenge that we were faced with. You, 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 you know it. Right. You've got all this furniture that fits nicely in one spot. And then all of a sudden you're trying to reposition, reorganize, rearrange to make it fit in the new spot. And, uh, you know, for some reason, even if it's the same square footage or sometimes even more, it just doesn't work. Right. Uh, walls are different. Uh, windows are different. It's just it's just different. And, you know, we had this room and and I really thought <clears throat> that it was going to be my study. Uh, and so uh, I, I, I arranged and rearranged and rearranged some more. And, uh, you know, I, I would I would arrange it a little bit and then bring Holly in and she would look at it. And, I, you know, my my strategy. Right. Uh, my way of thinking was when she came in, I would say, this is the best yet. Right. And she would look at it and just kind of walk back out. And and uh, we try again, 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 again. And my strategy was so successful with the whole rearranging thing that it is now our dining room. Uh, <clears throat> and so. Um, yeah, the Bradys, you know, they saying it's time to change. You know, you've got to rearrange. You know, while rearranging things does change perspective a little bit, potentially might change a little bit of something there. You know, the reality is when we talk about our spiritual lives, changing has got to be more than just rearranging. And, and that's where I would go. Oh, you know what? Let's not take the Brady Bunch strategy this morning as we enter this month into 2012, right? Uh, how, how's it been going for you so far? How's it working out for you? Good so far? Uh, for me, hey, Baylor 1, it's all good, right? Uh, RG3, yay. Um, I'll take that. This word change. This word change, it scares some of us. It excites some of us. It challenges some of us. For our kids who are entering puberty, right, it's a, it scares some of them. We've got all of these thoughts about the word change. I mean, that one word, well, actually, that one word along with the word hope catapulted a president into the office, right? Politicians, every uh, two, four years, right, they go, you've got to have it. You've got to have change in our own lives. I don't know. It's a little suspect. I mean, we, we're okay with maybe other people's changes, but change in us? As followers of Christ, if you are a follower of His, we are all designed to change. We were made that way. If we aren't constantly changing, actually, it goes against what Scripture actually describes. But we often don't allow change to enter into our lives because we're unwilling to really get real at what's happening inside of us. 
here's what happens, right? How many of you, you know, you, you got the computer, you've got the little thing that shows up on the screen that says it's time for the upgrade, right? Apple sends them to us all the time. Microsoft sends it to us all the time. We've got the upgrade. And you've got to press the install button, right, for it to begin. You're just crazy, right? We are so quick to press that button when it comes to upgrading our computers. But we're so hesitant to press the upgrade button when it involves our lives. When it involves change in who we are. What's going on deep inside of us that impacts all the rest of everything around us. Change isn't automatic. Uh, That's obvious, right? I mean, probably, I haven't looked at the commercials yet, but I'm assuming it's 2012, January. That means it's about time for another season of The Biggest Loser. Right? And you know, those people, I mean, change happens, but it happens because there's been dedication and hard work and discipline and faith and endurance and changes in habits and encouragement and working through those challenges. And at the very end, the big... After the big reveal, right, the winner gets the monetary reward and also the beautiful words that they get to hear. You are the biggest loser. (laughs) But here's what's amazing. We step into life every single day with the opportunity to have God blow us away with the change that forms us and molds us into the image of his son, Jesus Christ. Why? Not for a monetary prize, not for something that's just here in the moment but for what is forever. With the words, not you are the biggest loser, but the words, well done, my good and faithful servant. Better than the game show. How do we get there? Matthew thirteen fifty two says this. You don't have to turn there. It just says, every teacher who has been instructed about the kingdom of heaven is like the owner of a house who brings out of his storeroom new treasures as well as old. For many of you today, we're going to be looking at an old treasure. Possibly one of the most well-known Old Testament passages in all of Scripture. I invite you to open up your Bibles with me to Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 and 6. We're going to unpack this ancient treasure and discover some keys that are necessary in discovering real change. Keys that can help us unlock this laissez-faire attitude that we can slip into that quickly robs us of the life God designed for us to live. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him and He will make your paths straight. The first key. Accepting His outlook. Accepting His outlook. Trust in the Lord With all your heart, lean not on your own understanding. I was 11 years old. Uh, My dad was in the construction business. We lived in Houston. Uh, He worked on skyscrapers downtown. He was working on the Texas Commerce Bank at the time. It's February. It's cold. It's windy. It's the Houston Livestock Show and Rodeo Parade downtown. My dad says, hey, come on. Come downtown with me. So I go downtown. We get in the construction service elevator there for the Texas Commerce Bank building that he's working on. We go up to the 68th floor. It is the first pseudo-finished but not completely finished floor of that 75-story building. Get out of the construction elevator. True story. I step out. There's windows on this side. There's nothing on that side. 
right? All of a sudden, I'm kind of feeling like Tom Cruise, Mission Impossible, right? Suctions. No, not hardly. Actually, my dad's like, come on, let's go look at the parade. I'm like, I'm good right here. After much coercion, he walks me to the area where the windows are and looks down. And they are 68 floors down. I see the parade. Main Street, Houston, to San Jacinto. Amazing. Amazing perspective. Flash forward seven years. I am now the drum major of the marching band, Walter High School. Roaring Red Ram Band. We'll talk later. Woo! Yeah. And so we are like, you know, we're, we're doing parades. We're doing Thanksgiving Day parade. We're doing all these parades. We're doing the Mardi Gras parade. We're doing all these parades. We are doing the, 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 the livestock show parade. And you know, if you know anything about livestock show parades, one of the things that you have in livestock show parades are horses. Drum majors in parades march backwards. My nice white shoes had this brown tint to them at the end of the parade. And for some of you, you're like, I expect that talk out of a youth pastor. Save the poop for somewhere else. Hard habit. Habits are hard to break, right? You say, how is this relevant? What's the deal? I don't understand. Okay, here's the deal. Perspective is everything. I'm on the ground, and oh, how I wished at that moment I could have had the band director for our band up 68 flights looking down going, okay, poop landmine, steer left, steer right, slow down, speed up. I didn't have the band director leading me in that way, but you know what? We've got a God who can. He's in that seat. He sees it all. He sees the whole parade of our life, and he wants to help us avoid the poop landmines that the enemy sets for us. He wants to slow us down at times and speed us up at times because, you know, he sees the temptation that is right around the corner. And he sees the job that we're about to lose and the promotion that we're about to get and the thing that your wife or your husband is about to say to you and the disease that your family member is about to come down with. He sees the five great options that are about to be laid out for you at your job. And he sees... The dead end that's up ahead if you don't stop doing what it is that you're doing right now. He sees the friend that's about to enter your life and give you an opportunity to be vulnerable and transparent with them, maybe for the very first time in your life. And he sees the consequences if you don't stop doing what you're doing. He sees the amazing blessings if you follow through with that growth plan that you dreamed and thought about a week and a half ago. And he simply asks us to trust him. And his perspective because he sees it all. These verses in Proverbs, they were written by King Solomon at a time when the nation was rocking and rolling. I mean, the reality is this was at the peak and pinnacle of their existence. It was the golden era. And here come these words. Trust in the Lord. It smacks into our faces and what we often choose to trust in. Money, ourselves, our experience, our leaders, a new president, our country. We place all of these things at the altar and say, I trust you. And yet, wow, God reminds us, Psalm 27, check up on the screen. Some trust in chariots and some in horses. But we 
in 2012. Trust in the name of the Lord our God. Has that characterized your outlook so far in the first eight days? I mean, this is, by the way, you know, 2012. I mean, the Mayans, right? December 21st, cataclysmic. Right? I mean, we're talking, here it comes, the Mesoamerican 5125 year end of that cycle of the long whatever whatever cycle calendar. And it's going to be bad. And they're on this side going, oh, it's going to be bad. And the new age people on this side are going, 2012, this is the age, a new age of enlightenment spiritually for everyone. And in between, somewhere, is it possible that we could maybe land on God and say, you know what, I'm just going to trust you with it all. I'm going to accept your outlook. And let's not forget the next part of the verse there, this whole with all your heart part. That's really important, right? You see, in the, in the Hebrew culture, when they talked about the heart, you might write this down to the side, it was basically that word had to do with the whole core of who you are. It was the seat of your emotions and your feelings. It was the decision-making center of you. It was everything about us. And this part of the verse actually hammers away at our tendency to compartmentalize everything, right? Which actually leads us to the second key. You know, the first one, accepting his outlook, trust. But the second one, following his outline. Proverbs 3, 6, in all your ways, acknowledge him. What's an outline? It's a system of doing things. It's a system of putting things together. I had a great system in rearranging the room. I would try to convince Holly that I didn't have to move heavy things again. I think we all have our own systems that we operate in, right? Approximately 50% of those who show up on Sunday morning have chosen the operating system of not being involved in a small group. Roughly, about 50%. Because you know what? We've decided that the operating system we're going to walk in is that we are comfortable with I don't need anybody else to do life with. And it wasn't how we were designed to live. It's not how God wants it to be. It's not where we're going to find God's best for us. But that's the operating system that we've chosen. For some of us, with our kids, here's what we do. We choose the operating system of cross my fingers, hope they turn out okay. And so we almost just close our eyes and go, oh, I turned out fine, sort of, kind of, maybe they will too. Some of us have a different operating system with kids, right? Some of you are very, very proactive. Spiritually, you are connecting with them in the middle of the week. You are thinking through things like, hey, the seminar is coming up. I don't want to miss that. I don't have a clue how to talk to them about sex, but I want to be there to get a little bit better understanding of what that's going to be like. We've got all different types of competing operating systems that we live in. Some of us have the operating system personally of, if it ain't uncovered, I'm not going to fix it. There's two defects with that system. The first defect is that we stay miserable and or mediocre and we miss God's best. But the second is that our sin eventually finds us out. God knows why we're hiding in the bushes with the fig leaves over our private parts. And he sees and he knows. And yet he loves. And he wants to help us change to become what we were made to be. But if you really want it, You've got to accept his system, and his system is not rearranged. 
you got to recognize why the word acknowledge is actually there. That's a really important word. Sometimes we miss that word in that in that verse. But that Hebrew word actually has this sense in it of we are not just recognizing, but we are submitting. We are going along with. It basically says that I am going to submit to God's authority about everything. My operating system is going to be guided by his priorities, period. That's what that verse challenges us to do. But you see, again, I think that we see the change that comes into our lives and think, well, I could just rearrange things a little bit here, right? I mean, the Greek mindset is what we typically live with, not the Hebrew one, not the one where at the very core and center of us is Christ and everything else pervades outside of that. No, actually, the system that we work in has, you know, I've got my community box, right? And people know me in the community like that. And I've got my Jesus box, right? And Jesus is really important to me. And so he gets his own box. And by the way, I also kind of get my money box. Right. Because I've got to decide how I spend whatever it is that's in that box. Not that much. Two thousand twelve figures. And then I've got this box right here, which is uh, there's my family box. Right. And oh, yeah, my compartmentalization also has. Let's go with my hobbies box. I like to run. That would be in that box. Right. You like to read. You want to play golf. You want to go whatever. Then I've also got my church box. I'm here for goodness sake. It's the box. Right. And oh, yeah, by the way, one more. My work box. We could add boxes all day long. We could fill up the whole stage with boxes. We could compartmentalize our lives to death. And this verse smacks us in the face against that compartmentalization. It says, whoa, hold on. Wait a minute. I know that I've got a box for everything. But God, what I'm used to doing is not changing, but just rearranging. I mean, you know, it's the new year, and so really, church needs to be more of a priority for me. So I'm going to put it at the start, and I know Jesus has got to be in there, but you know what? My family is really, really important, so i got to make sure, and somewhere, he's kind of right about here somewhere, maybe, you know, and oh yeah, boy, hey, work, I mean, i got to pay the bills, and that's important, and so I'm going to rearrange, and for some of us, we rearrange and we decorate the outside of the boxes, Right? So that they don't just look like cardboard anymore. And we put bows and tinsel and we make them really good on the outside. And it's cosmetic change, but not core change. It's superficial change, but not substantive change. Because real change has us using his operating system. And this means allowing him to guide, to be involved in every single area. This means we start making choices that have him at the core. That means that, you know what? Hey, uh, in my family, in my marriage, I'm actually going to make sure that Jesus is in that mix. And you know what? I'm going to do the same in the connections that I have within the community. And I'm going to do the same in my work because you know what? I go to work every day. But if I were to be brutally honest, I'm much different at work than I am when I'm at church. And you know what? I'm going to actually make sure that Jesus is a part of my church life. (laughs) And I'm going to make sure that Jesus is a part of what happens monetarily with me. And I'm going to make sure that Jesus is in this mix as well. 
And it begins to pull everything back together again. So that the reality is, it's not just that there's a Jesus box. It's that our whole lives become consumed with Him. And that gets kind of crazy, doesn't it? Because we haven't let Jesus into some of these boxes. As a matter of fact, what we've said to Him is, well, Jesus, you got a box up there all to yourself. I mean, as a matter of fact, for some of us, we even let him in the church box. He gets two. You mean, Jesus, I'm supposed to listen to what you're saying about my marriage and maybe the seminar that's coming up or all the opportunities that are coming up for us in the church that give us a way to build spiritually into that mate? Maybe I should take advantage of that? Yeah, maybe so. Are you telling me that when I'm looking at my finances for 2012, you sit in the very center of that, Jesus? Yes. The center, the core, where everything else comes out. It starts to make us feel a little uncomfortable. Because, you know, I like the, the idea of rearranging a whole lot better than real change. This means we've got to get to know Him, though, and His character and His commands if we're going to be in agreement with Him. And that takes another word. You might want to write it off to the side. I didn't put it on the screen, but it's the word investment. I'm going to invest time in my connection with him so that I can hear him speaking into all these places in my life. And I'm going to get to know him and his commands and his character. This means that my relationship with him has to be tight. Because this battle is going to be fought multiple times a day in my mind with a million different choices. Romans 12.2. Again, some of us heard it last week. Do not be conformed. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good and pleasing and perfect will. Sermon on the Mount. Jesus, He, uh, he kind of uh, flies in the face again of this compartmentalization and speaks to our prioritization that we jump into. When Matthew 6.33 says, but seek ye first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. Jesus is saying, hey, will you trust my operating system? Will you trust me for all of it? And we argue, but I just can't keep the change agent in the box. I mean, can I just do that? Randy, come on. No, we can't. We've got to let him out. Let Him roam freely in every part of who we are. Some of us feel threatened by that. It might impact our reality for the need of a small group or accountability or the decisions that we make with our family. You know, I, I hesitated to do this because it was like, well, is it just going to be Randy doing a commercial up here? No, the reality is there are lots of ways that you can connect with your family very intentionally with our church. Whether it's food packing events this year or the family mission trips that are being offered to Belize and Africa. Whether it's family camp. Al and Barb McDonald, who own Soto Family Camp, are out in the lobby after this service. They're going to be hanging out with any of you that want to talk about doing life together at camp this summer. Got a big registration drive going on right now for the next month. You know, whether it's the seminar that's coming up or whether it's how we invest in our marriages or whether it's how we invest in making sure that God is 
honored in the money that we spend and save. And Wow, I mean, the opportunities are just endless here, really. And what God is saying is, you know, if you want to see real change happen, it's going to involve you paying a price. And I was impacted with this this past week. I was thinking through the price that we pay for things. You know, where, where you sit, in the seat that you sit, you have paid a price for the life that you are living right now. So have I. And the beautiful question that Jesus asked us this morning is, the price that you've paid, was it worth it for what you're getting? Or would you be willing to pay the price for the change that takes you to the life that I've designed for you? Because it's even better. So I think we wind up feeling a little threatened. And so we continue to live defeated and frustrated, depressed, having never really accepted that our salvation just might have given us access to the one operating system that our lives were designed to run on. First key, accepting his outlook, perspective, trusting him. Second key, following his outline, his priorities, his system. Third key, ending the verse here, and he will make your paths straight. In the Hebrew, what that doesn't say is that we are supposed to just say yes to him and now everything's perfect. But it does have a sense at which we find him removing obstacles to his will and design for our lives. It does help us achieve the goals that ultimately he's made for us. I was thinking through word pictures to help with this, and I came up with this experience uh, several years ago, uh, my family was in Jamaica with some friends, and we were uh, climbing uh, Duns River Falls, which if you've ever been there, that is like the touristy thing to do, right? It's 600 feet of waterfalls that you climb up the middle of, in the rocks, and the, you know, the rocks are real slippery and slimy and stuff, and you're climbing on the rocks, and it's a challenge, and you go up to the top, right? And so I'm there, and my wife Holly is there. She's three months pregnant with our son Silas. And uh, Shaylee is with us. She's four and a half. Somebody else is keeping Riley. She's too young to do it. And so here we go. We're going up the rocks. Maybe not the wisest move with pregnant wife and four and a half year old, but I did it. See, I know what you guys are thinking this morning. So we're going up, you know, and the guy, you got guides and they're walking around. And they, I mean, they're barefoot. You know, they give you the little, you know, Spider-Man shoes that help you like suck onto the rocks. Right. But the guides have nothing. I mean, they're barefoot. And they're just like hopping around, you know. It's like Cirque du Soleil. And so he's like, hand me your child. <laughs> Something like that. I'm glad he didn't say, hand me your wife. <laughs> I mean, she's little, but anyway. So I, I hand him Shaylee, right, you know, and he swings her out over the rocks. I mean, we're 400 feet up, right, going up, and he just takes her and plants her on another spot. And we climb a little bit more. Hand me your daughter. Boom. I mean, we're like going all the way up and I'm just trusting him implicitly with this four and a half year old that I have raised and nurtured and changed lots of diapers. And we get to the top and the view is amazing and it winds up being worth it. But you know what? I don't think we ever would have gotten there if I would have tried to lead my family up. And what we often do is we end and wind up having not so great a closure to the life, to the book, to the moment. Because we try to be the guide for our family. And we try to take them. And we try to own it. 
And God says, listen, will you just trust me? I see it all. I know it all. I'm at the top of the Texas Commerce Building. And you're in the parade. And I want to help you avoid the landmines. I want to help you with that. But will you just trust me? Will you not? The word there, batach, it actually is this Hebrew word to trust. It means in the Hebrew to lean. It means with all of my weight, I'm pushing on this. And you know what? I am trusting that it is not going to topple over. Hebrews says, you can trust, you can lean fully, completely on me. Not yourself, not your operating system, but mine, God says. And then you can live in my outcome. And you know what? The journey's going to be amazing. And the top is going to be more than what you could have had yourself. He will make your path straight. And if we aren't willing to trust God to follow his principles, his precepts, which will inevitably challenge and change our priorities, then we're going to miss it. And we'll end up settling for less. And I don't know about you, but 2012, I don't want to settle for less. I want it to be the best year I've left. I was writing. I write in in a journal, and I'm not a good person to write every day, but I write as much as I can, as much as I choose to. And I have some excerpts here that I thought fit well within this outlook, outline, outcome that we just talked about. The one I chose for outlook. Five kids, exclamation point. (laughs) Still trying to wrap my mind around that one, God. Lindley is beautiful. She's an amazing blessing. It's a scary world she's walking into, God. But I don't have to tell you that. Wars, growing animosity toward your followers, global financial meltdowns, Challenging days and years ahead of her, God. But I trust you. You've mapped mapped her life out far before I ever knew she was coming. Great plans. Amazing plans. God, I trust you with the unseen. Do I do that every day? In that moment, yes, I did. (laughs) Outline. (laughs) Okay, so I still struggle with this looking back thing. Forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. That's been a real challenge for me this week. Today, God, help me make peace with yesterday so I don't miss this moment. It was in that struggle that I was just saying, God, (laughs) I want to live in your outline. And that's to look forward. And I know I'm missing today because I'm not doing it. Outcome. Results. (laughs) Thanks, God. This house is more than enough, and your timing was perfect. The kids will love being across from the pool. It's all such a blessing. Still trying to figure out that room. (laughs) That's funny. Oh, well. It's all good and amazing. Thanks. How you doing so far? What did your week look like? Did you accept his outlook? Did you trust him? Did you accept his outline? Did you follow him? What were your priorities like? Did you compartmentalize or was he in it all? Did you walk in his outcome? Did you see his plans and purposes fulfilled in your life? If you did, then can I just tell you this? 
You've been smiling for the last 30 minutes because change happened in your life this week. Because when we do that, we can't help but be changed when we walk arm in arm with the change agent. you close your eyes with me? Maybe for some of you, God's spoken about your eternity. And maybe what you realized today was that you never really trusted Him with the first and most important thing. You realize that before you can begin to accept His system for your life, you've got to first accept His answer for your sin problem. That's the first step. It's the same sin problem that has plagued all of humanity since the Garden of Eden. And maybe today what you realized was that you've been doing an awful lot of rearranging for a long time. But what you need more than anything is for the change agent to come in and revolutionize your heart and give you new life. Maybe what that step looks like for you today is taking the step of faith and saying something like, to him, Jesus, I know that you died on the cross and you rose again to save those separated from you. Forgive me of my sin. By faith, I receive you as my Savior and my Lord and my friend. Change my life, God. Make me new. Help me to live for you, God. Maybe that's the most important thing you just did all year. If you did, we'd love to visit with you. There's a reception room right out front to the right. We'd love to be able to visit with you about the most important decision that you just made in your entire life. We want to celebrate with you and help you take those next steps. For the rest of us, what did you hear? What did you hear today? God, we're listening. We're closing out the service. We're recognizing your presence in this place. You did not bring us in here by accident. It was for your purposes, for your glory. And God, help us to take steps in obedience to the reality of your word so that change happens in our lives that makes us look like you and shines your glory to this world. We love you, God. <laughs> May we love you even more tomorrow and the next day and the next day and the next day. In Jesus' name.